Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you been seriously injured? Mama Justice is here for you. Our medical team partners with top-notch doctors, surgeons, therapists, and urologists, ensuring a comprehensive recovery journey. If you've been injured, call Mama Justice today. We're here for you. Just to set the stage for this episode, a question. No matter where you live, when you travel the countryside and you see an old abandoned home barely detectable, as the brambles and bushes, vines and trees slowly swallow its existence, from a forgotten home to a foggy memory, nature reclaiming its rightful ground. Did you ever stop to think about the kids who played in the yard? Over the many years, the tears of joy and pain experienced by that family. How about the stories told around the supper table, the porch, or on a cold December day around the pot-bellied stove? And if you ever found out the homeowner was someone who was an American hero, but the story had faded into yesterday, much like the home with the passing of each new generation, feel a little bit saddened. Well, that's much like the subject of this episode of Mississippi Magic, titled Jonathan's Trip to the Promised Land. And when you hear how many ways the event and the legend were immortalized, you have to wonder, how could anybody forget about Jonathan's trip to the Promised Land? First, a reminder from our good friends at Divinity Equipment, located in central Mississippi's capital city of Jackson and in Madison on Highway 51 North, but as close to you as DivinityEquipment.com. I don't know if you saw this, but in an industry survey, owners of four-wheel RTVs, said there were two things on their regret-they-bought-it list. Number one, they should have bought quality. As hard as they worked that RTV on the farm and in the woods, the lower price came with lower quality, and it showed up. Number two, the quality of the service matched the cheaper price, unfortunately. And I'll take this time to remind you now that as hunting season and fall cleanup is around the corner, my friends at Divinity Equipment are showing five incredible RTVs on the front page of their website. Not only do they have the most competitive price, but financing so attractive, you'll hook it up and take it home. As for counting on future servicing, let me remind you, these are Kubota RTVs, and Divini is the oldest Kubota dealer in America. Feel better now? Check them out at 3dub.diviniequipment.com. Hey, come get you one and make a little Mississippi magic. Okay, back to Jonathan's trip to the Promised Land. And how could this event and this guy's legacy be erased from the minds of the next generation? And certainly how, of all people, Mississippians could forget him, even though he was born and lived outside the Magnolia State. Why? Because John Luther, as he was also called, John Luther's ticket to the Promised Land was punched in Mississippi. And the event was so spectacular, so memorable, that here are just a few ways it's been immortalized throughout history, just to bring the point home. So many songs from famous blues singers to rock stars, folk singers to country music legends. Several movies where John Luther's life was portrayed by Hollywood's leading men. Once in 1975, one of the most celebrated artists did a painting of the Mississippi event, portrayed in all of its chaos. And this is kind of weird. But references to John Luther and the historic event in Mississippi, the one that punched his ticket to the promised land, those references abound in places like Walt Disney's movie Dumbo 
as well as numerous other cartoons, even to this day. Also, hundreds of other references in numerous movie classics, video games, television series, even poems. And at one time, John Luther's decision, made in the spur of a moment in the middle of the night, the one that earned him a hero status, was so yearned for by a hungry public, was showcased in three, that's right, three different museums. Now, time to tell you a little more about Jonathan, or John Luther, whichever you prefer. History shows that John wedded Mary at a church in Whistler, Alabama, which in itself is irony, given that part of the legacy is actually a whistle. To support a wife and ultimately three kids, John started a job that he'd always dreamed about, an entry-level job working with Mobile and Ohio Railroad Company. He worked hard, was a good worker, husband, father, and teetotaler. Because of his dedication, John worked his way up from a brakeman to fireman to his lifelong goal of being an engineer. And early on in his career, John began getting some much-deserved recognition. He made news once for rescuing a child from the train tracks and certain death. His custom-made train whistle was so famous, it became a signature for all who could almost set their clocks to Jonathan's near-perfect schedule. The whistle was unlike any other. It was a sound that some described as the call of a whippoorwill. When people heard it, they would say, there goes the cannonball. By the way, cannonball was the nickname given to the newest trains of the day. And John Luther was in command of one of the fastest. And John used that speed to establish a reputation of always being on time. Now, the event itself, immortalized in history, began on a cold Mississippi night in February. Here's how history records the circumstances that all came together to take Jonathan to the promised land. He and his crew had worked extra hours because of a couple of engineers were out sick. Instead of clocking out in Memphis, Tennessee, he was asked to make another run south to Canton, Mississippi. Records record John Luther pulling out of Memphis late, 12.50 a.m., and, of course, he was determined to make up that time. The conditions to do so were ideal. He was pulling only six passenger cars and had a good fireman, a man by the name of Simeon T. Webb, who had the power and the personality to retain maximum steam. Headed south, John made one stop for water in Grenada, another stop in Sardis, with consistent top speeds at around 80 miles per hour. When Jonathan arrived in Durant, he was told to pull over in Goodman to let another passenger train go by. When he pulled out, he was only five minutes behind schedule. Everything looked good for him to arrive on time in Canton at 4.05 a.m. But what Jonathan Luther didn't know, nor did his passengers in the six cars, his precious cargo counting on him to get them to their destination safely, was that three separate trains were backlogged in a little community called Vaughan, Mississippi. That was information that was critical, even more so because the curves leading into Canton were notorious for being tricky at any speed and downright dangerous in foggy weather. And to make matters worse, one of those three trains was too long for the side tracks, and it overlapped on the main tracks. This was also vital information that John wasn't given. With a full head of steam and clocking 75 miles an hour, John celebrated the fact that he was now back on schedule, telling this fireman, Simeon Webb, Hey, Sim, the old girl's got her dancing slippers on tonight. Just a few minutes later, after coming around one of those tricky curves and with 
a Mississippi fog limiting visibility. The fireman was first to see the lights ahead of a caboose that wasn't supposed to be there, yelling at the top of his voice, My Lord, there's something on the main line. As the lights grew closer and with the reality of an unavoidable impact, John screamed out for Sim to jump to safety, which he did, closing rapidly at 75 miles an hour with only the length of a few hundred yards to spare. Jonathan's decision at that moment would earn him hero status. You see, Jonathan didn't jump to safety with Sims. He reversed the throttle and held the pressure on the air brakes, hoping he could minimize the impact for the passengers put in his care. Later, Sims recalls the last thing he remembers hearing was a horrendous long and piercing scream of the whistle as John Luther kept pressure on the brakes. Because of that decision, the impact was reduced from 75 miles an hour to 35 miles per hour. No passengers were killed. As a matter of fact, there were very few minor injuries, mostly nerves being shaken. The same couldn't be said for Jonathan Luther. He died at the scene, refusing to jump and leave the passengers in harm's way. It's said that when they pulled his body from the mangled wreckage of the cannonball engine, his hands were still holding tight the whistle cord and brakes. The scene of the wreckage in the little community of Vaughan, Mississippi, was the top headlines, the top pictures in most American newspapers the next day. The many accolades of Jonathan's heroics were given first-hand accounts by his friend Wallace Saunders. Wallace was the cannonball's engine wiper who put the event in the words of a song. That song became a standard for a generation of Americans fascinated by the sacrifice that night in Vaughan, Mississippi. So much so that decades later, a country music legend recorded the song again and shared it with another generation. But sadly, now it seems like those kudzu vines of time enveloping that old country shack. The knowledge of what happened that night in Mississippi, Vaughan, Mississippi, that made such a mark in history, has dwindled down to less and less of the next generation. By the way, if you do know the story but don't recognize the name of John Luther, or even Jonathan, it's because the famous engineer picked up a nickname when he was young. You see, Jonathan Luther Jones grew up in a place called Casey, Kentucky. And everyone there in his hometown just called little John Luther Jones of Casey, Kentucky, Casey. That's right, the legendary engineer of the Cannonball Express, Casey Jones. And of all the songs that he was immortalized in, two of them are still heard in the one remaining museum called the Casey Jones Home and Railroad Museum in Casey Jones Village, Jackson, Tennessee. One song written by a friend and recorded by two admirers that covered two different generations. A song that the famous poet Carl Sandburg described as, quote, the greatest ballad ever written. Come all your rounders if you want to hear a story about a brave engineer. Casey Jones was a rounder's name on a six-day wheel, the boy he won his fame. The caller called Casey at a half past four. Kissy and wife at the station door. Mounted to the cabin with his orders in his hand. And he took his farewell trip to the promised land. Well, a hand on a whistle and a hand on a brake. North Mississippi was wide awake. I see railroad officials said he's a good engineer to be a laying dead. Casey Jones climbed in the cabin. Casey Jones. Orders in his hand. Casey 
Jones Leaning out the window Taking a trip to the promised land Isn't it amazing that Generation Sense can attach the name Casey Jones to a train wreck but have no idea where the name originated? Who knows? Maybe in the future another musician will reprise the famous ballad. But till then, you and I have done our job to keep the kudzu cut back a bit just by listening to this episode of Mississippi Magic. Talk Mississippi Media Production.